Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe plug-in hybrid is built for the best of both worlds. For the city buzz, for the call of the wild, for finding solitude, for sharing memories, for day trips, and for far-roaming adventures. Because with gas and electric capability, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe inspires you to explore more, to explore it all. Tap the banner to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. We're casting our minds back over our mountain biking careers, some short, some much longer, and some much more successful, to reflect on 10 things we wish we knew when we started mountain biking. We've passed the mic around the team on this one with thoughts from Robin, Tom, and myself, as well as quizzing our special guest and former world champ, Tracy Mosley. So without further ado, here are our 10 things that we wish we knew when we started mountain biking. Robin, let's kick off with you. So I think first and foremost, um, one of the most important things I've learned as I've got older, especially is being fitter just makes everything so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was young and racing downhill, the general consensus was training is super uncool. Only, you know, the bike dorks and nerds kind of do that sort of stuff. But the reality was they were all doing it and then never telling anyone about it. And Secret training. Exactly. But now I think um, the world's moved on. Everyone's way more health conscious and and switched on about it. And you know what? The more I ride, the more you just enjoy being out there. If you're not suffering from the first pedal stroke to, you know, if you're out there for hours, then it's, you know, man biking can be quite unpleasant. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the fitter you are, you just enjoy, you know, every single climb, every single descent. It's all just generally a whole lot better. So that would be my first thing. The next thing I would say is it's really easy to get caught up in the latest and greatest trends, tech stuff, bike suspensions, brakes, all of that. But the reality is the biggest thing that's ever going to make a difference to your riding is you. Mm -hmm. So spending more time 
whether that's practicing uh, on skills, whether that's, you know, seeing a coach and having some proper coaching advice, whether that's just getting fitter, to my first point, <laughs> it all makes a much, much bigger difference than investing, you know, 10 grand in the latest and greatest bike and not doing anything about your actual riding ability. It's, you know, focusing on the rider first and foremost. That and um, the difference that will make to your mindset and your confidence. Yeah. And I think that those two things will have a much, much bigger impact and a much, much more of a knock-on effect to not just your enjoyment, but how you get on, especially if you're looking to go and compete in any kind of racing. So something that is taking me forever to get to this point, but realizing how much you need to eat and drink yeah. when you go riding. <laughs> Honestly, I would just go for ages, for hours, and all I did is just drink some water and just think that's totally fine. Then I'd struggle to recover. I'd feel absolutely rubbish. And then you start going on rides with other people and they're, you know, every time you stop, they eat something. You're like, what are you doing? Oh yeah, just I'm really hungry. Grazing. Yeah. You're like, all right. And then you start giving it a go and you realise the difference it makes your energy levels. Ah, and it's like a light, you know, yeah. light's gone off. All of a sudden you twigged and then you can ride further. You, again, you enjoy it more. It makes it makes a massive difference. It's such a classic beginner mistake, isn't it? Like just beginner, I did it for like <laughs> twenty years. years then. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it honestly, it wasn't until I started trying to do much bigger road rides and stuff like that. And then you realise the difference it makes. Wow. Yeah, God, yeah, I feel kind of stupid. But yeah, it's just totally <laughs> true. And another thing I think, uh, so similar to the whole getting caught up in the tech, needing the latest bits and pieces and stuff like that, I think it's also easy to stop enjoying what you're doing mm. um, because you get caught up, whether that's in race results, whether it's you're going out with your mates and you're not the fittest or the strongest or the fastest, and you sometimes start to forget the whole reason why you started the sport in the first place. So sometimes I think it's just important to kind of remind yourself why you're doing it, taking in your surroundings, realizing, you know, there's way more to it than just, you know, potentially like a competitive element or yeah. that sort of, um, you know, potentially like machoism with your mates, whatever it might be. And just realizing that you can just, go out, have fun, doesn't matter whether you're riding at a snail's place or, or whatever it might be, and, and just enjoying it for what it is. And part of that for me especially, I think, was branching out and doing different types of bike riding. Okay. Because it's yeah. all bike riding. So it's I, I find it equally as fun. It's just a different experience. And they all kind of complement each other. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, I'm very fortunate that I was able to do that and have different bikes and stuff. But there's no reason why you can't take your mountain bike on a road ride. You know, if you're brave. Not, yeah, but I mean, there's, there's no reason why you can't just yeah. for a different perspective. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's just not being afraid to branch out and try something different if you're kind of feeling like you're in a bit of a rut and you want to get a bit more enjoyment back to it. So yeah, I think it's just remembering those sort of like those core values of why you started in the first place. Nice. Are any of those ringing bells with you, Tom? Uh, yes. I've learned a lot in the last 10 minutes. Um, Snoozing kid at the back of the classroom there. Um, I'd, well, I mean, I'd echo the, the whole eating thing. and It's something I really mm. haven't twigged yet. I uh, went for a ride on, on Saturday on my own and uh, 
it was a gravel ride and I got about 60k in. I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And I was like, <laughs> well, I haven't eaten anything yet. But oh. I'm pretty sure it was you that told me to do it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like two years ago. It was the same, not as I do. Well. I don't practice what I preach. <laughs> um, but yeah, eat, eat proper, like, yeah, eat properly and drink properly. And uh, unless obviously, I don't know if you listened to a previous episode of the White Road podcast where I said I don't carry anything on my bike when I go for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the inevitable consequence of my actions is that Tom, I'm often knackered. Tom's bonked and he's got no tools <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the, the, uh, um, Rob's first point sort of echoed one of my points was um, talking about being fit and strong it really makes a massive difference one thing that makes a massive difference to my riding is when I'm doing a lot of climbing so I complement my riding with other sports um, and you know, a lot of people do a lot of running um, as a good sort of aerobic exercise, but I, you know, I think I do enough cycling that I don't need the, the aerobic side of things, and also hurts your knees and your joints. But I find climbing like a really, like a really good like alternative sport to, to mountain biking. It builds core strength and, and arm strength. You know, a lot of the time you can see like cyclists got really strong legs and stuff like that, but what you don't realise is that the core and the arms makes a massive difference to how well you can ride, how stable and and sort of able to control the bike you are in really rough fast terrain um, and I find it makes a massive difference it's also like a really nice sociable activity you can do it in the evenings with people of varying sort of abilities so I, I you know I go, I go climbing with um, with a friend who you know she's not the best climber in the world but we can do it together and you know maybe we wouldn't ride bikes together because we have different sort of once out of running bikes so it's, it's just a really it's a great sport yeah. she likes to carry food and ride much further so yeah so I would say that'd be one of my things pick a good complimentary sport um, and enjoy it as well because it takes a focus off you not just just riding bikes yeah and then I guess if anything happened like you were to have an injury on your bike that meant that you couldn't do that for a while you've got something else got something to else, do yeah. and being stronger helps prevent injuries as well so building muscle mass protects your joints so if you do have a crash you're more likely to not damage things badly and also if you do then the recovery can be quicker so basically I'm saying just go climbing it's great it's a good, it's good, <laughs> good little winter sport as well eh oh, it's the best it's making me want to go climbing yeah I love it I love it um, my other um, sort of top tip that I, re- I genuinely wish I had sort of actioned this um, 20 years ago was, you know, so I started riding and I did a lot of cross-country type, type stuff, you know, wheels on the ground, like fairly fit, like long distances and all that sort of stuff. And that was great. I had a great time. And I never um, just like messed about on my bike. Mm-hmm. So I never learned how to do wheelies. I never spent much time trying to do jumps and things like that. And so I found as my sort of riding has progressed and as riding itself has progressed, mm. I find myself less confident on sort of jumps and drops than I really wish I was. It's not that like I can't do them. It's just I'm not confident in them because when I was a kid, I wasn't doing it. And now I'm like mid-30s. I've got a little bit more sort of self-preservation going on. And like I've got a real head head block for sort of like getting over those things and I really wish as a kid I mucked around a bit mucked more. around a bit more and being a bit more gung-ho and a bit more like brave and just got like the muscle memory of sending a gap or like doing a big drop because it would aid my riding no end now and it's a real frustration when I'm out and about well you can't turn back the clocks of time all right <laughs> Trying. Whatever the expression is. <laughs> do the coaching. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, did, I did a great coaching session with Katie Curd in the Forest of Dean. She's um, a coach who, who operates out there. She's got, you know, she's previous world champion in various elements of match. She's an incredible coach and great. And, and I did a day where we concentrated on jumping. Nice. And I did all the jumps. And, you know, I spent time in um, 
in the Leger sort of little jump park at the top of like the, the lowest lift. And, you know, I've sent 25, 30 foot jumps. I know I've done that because I've measured, you know, like the tabletops, not gaps. Carries a tape measure, no yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just <laughs> One of those one. little <laughs> wheel things. <laughs> yes, one. It's in my in bag. In the back of the van. That I don't carry. Um, <laughs> just for a surveying job. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like, if, so it's, a, it's a head thing for me. Like, yeah. I know I can jump a relative distance, but as soon as someone's taking the middle out of the jump, I have a real head issue with that. Mm. And I just wish that when I was younger or early on in my riding, I, I had just got on with it. Yeah. I've got a few friends who really recommend getting a dirt jump bike and just like playing around on pump tracks and little dirt jumps and stuff. It's pump like, tracks. Yeah. yeah. Pump tracks. If you want to learn how to ride a bike properly, pump track is the way to, honestly, being able to carry speed without pedaling will change your life. Oof. Will change your riding. Maybe not your life. <laughs> Depends how much you like riding, mm. <laughs> but on, seriously, it that and how how hard you can corner, how hard you can mm. push into a turn, but b- just understanding that sort of cause and effect by driving down through your through your legs, through your feet, through the pedals on those transitions, on those downslopes, and how much momentum it can then generate, and then you transfer that onto the trail, and then all you do is spend all your time trying to spot those little undulations where you can just pump. And other people will be scrabbling, you know, trying to get a quick mm-hmm. pedaling. And and if you can get around that, then you're fresher. Everything, when you hit those next sections, you don't feel as tired. It's, yeah. I think this is one of the things I, I, I still find now if I follow certain people down trails. It's all about, you know, Rob, Luke and Al, for example, are all great examples of people to follow. They have different riding styles. Everyone has a different riding style. But I, again, like I maybe earlier on, I wish I'd sort of spent more time watching like people who are better at riding than me and just sort of like following them and trying to do what they do. And, mm. I, and sometimes I, I followed, actually Rob, um, a few weeks ago, last time I went riding, probably didn't tell you, but I followed down the trail until the first corner when you disappeared and I sort of like, <laughs> but like, it was just beautiful to watch and I tried to do all that and I was like, hang on a minute, this is great, you know, like, because you try different things and you sort of get little different aspects of how riding can be done. It's not saying what you're doing is wrong, but how someone else is doing it could, could be better. But I think it helps, you know, if you ride with someone that, can do maybe something different to what mm. you're comfortable Everyone doing. has different mm. specialists. And... You start to realise what you can get away with. Yeah. You know, when you see yeah. kind of, if someone can do some a different a section in a different way to you, and then maybe you can tackle it in a similar sort of way, you realise, oh, well, if they can do it, maybe I can have a crack at it. Yeah. And then actually there's so much, like you said with the, the double jump, mm. so much is in your head. Mm. And the reality is, you know, the bikes are ridiculously good and can get yeah. away with, all sorts. And for the most part, the you know, everyone's human. Everyone can kind of just do the same things. They're just there's different levels of learning going on and you can just adapt. If you're able to ride a trail blind, you should be able to adapt and hopefully get around that same sort of feature. So in theory, you know, like, yeah, you can you can just almost imitate and get away, you know, most of the time you'll get away with it. Sometimes you'll crash and learn. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it is It is really good to push yourself and, and, and ride with other people that are maybe better than you. Nice. One thing that I wish I knew when I started, which wasn't very long ago, is that actually crashing doesn't hurt that much mm. for the majority of times. Everyone says, oh, you know, mountain biking is a really dangerous sport, da, 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 da. And yes, of course, there are people that have life-changing injuries. And, you know, if you're doing huge gaps or even sometimes if you have just a little awkward fall, you can end up with broken bones. But for the most part, you sort of, are able to roll out or something or if you're I was the other day I did a front flip because I was turning around to check that my mate who's just started riding was okay 
clipped my pedal on a stump and just sort of commando rolled off my bike and was totally fine because mm. it was just on this lovely like loamy patch <laughs> which was Lucky. very well timed but like that gave me the confidence because usually I ride really conservatively because I'm scared of falling off yeah. and then after that I rode so much better because I was like oh well actually that was fine this this ties through to sort of speed and holding speed a little bit so one of the things which I guess as you get more experienced you you ride faster and you realize that riding faster is often a bit easier so I did a bit of little bit of coaching over the summer and we were riding down uh, a trail in the Alps it was like really like rough and lots of big holes in it and all that sort of stuff and I'd been I'd ridden it before and was like bang bang bang, bang this is oh, that's a good track and then we rode it sort of in coaching it was, a, it was a group coaching scenario and so the guy at the front the coach was riding slower than I would have been riding because we had a, a and it was hard work mm. like it was tough to get through this thing because you know every hole is being hit by your wheel and everything you're not skipping over anything and I sort of said at the bottom I was like he was like, oh, how was that? And I said, it was really hard because we were going so much slower than I would have been riding. And so having a bit more speed smooths everything out. And also when you're crashing, you tend to roll and sort of scooch along a bit further, which yeah. dissipates the energy of your crash over a wider distance. So you, you hurt yourself sometimes. Science. Bit less. Science. <laughs> but if you, some of the worst ones are when you just like come to a dead stop yeah. and it hurts. And that often happens when you're going a little bit slower. So I would say have a bit of confidence, pick up a bit of speed because your bike will be more stable. You'll skip over the bumps a bit faster. And if you do crash, it might actually not hurt quite as much as you thought. And also crashing on slower, steeper stuff is probably scarier. Mm. But the reality is you're going so steady. Yes. That you tend to just sort of flop into a bush or something like that, rather than those sort of mellower trails where you're absolutely hooning along. And if something goes wrong, it's not as pleasant. I had exactly that experience on my first trip to Bike Park Wales. It was a very hot, sunny day anyway, but we went down some of the blues to start with, which are amazing, but they're very well sculpted, very fast, and it was quite dusty. And I just had like one little front wheel slide, which caught, thank goodness, but that I found that really terrifying. And then we went on to some of the techier reds, which are much rootier and steeper. And I just, I was so much happier there, I think, because we were going more slowly, even though it was more technical. Mm. And I, I guess, you know, think that if you come off there, you're probably not going to have such severe consequences, <laughs> maybe. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's all mental though, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of men. We've, we've kind of con- like contradicted each other. <laughs> I said go fast because it hurts less. You said go slow because it hurts less. Well, damn it. But every crash is different. But um, but I think what you're saying what is sometimes you. the speed is your friend. Yes. Yeah. And going faster can make it easier. Yes. You're less likely yeah, you're to right. crash quite often when you're going a bit faster. Because you're skipping over rather than through yeah. And you're probably holes. less like tense yeah. and worried about crashing. Mm. And then because you're thinking about crashing, you crash. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! How about you, Tracy? What did you wish that you knew when you started mountain biking? Well, it's a it's a tough one, but I think if I was to look back to my young Tracy, I always feel that if I could have been better at downhill in the early days, if only I'd like pedaling my bike a little bit more. <laughs> and that does come down to a bit of training. Um, and the whole, I think Rob touched on, you know, being fitter d- does make things easier. And it's, it's true. I think it's more than that, though. It's, it's, it's being fitter allows you to get your skills, to show your skills and to be able to ride to your, the best of your ability. Probably what I'm trying to say. I think that's something I've only really kind of realised that, and again, even when I raced downhill, I then transitioned to enduro. It was only actually raced enduro that I actually became what I would call pro- properly fit in some ways. And it's only now, <laughs> not being fit, that I realised how fit I was. Because <laughs> when you are fit at the time, uh, you just yes. like you don't even realise. <laughs> but how the difference it now makes if I try and ride, my mind and my body still wants to ride at that pace, but the fitness doesn't allow me to. I'm not as safe. My mind's not as clear. I'm not choosing lines. I'm not as accurate. All of these crazy little things all come about from the level of fatigue that you have. So general level of fitness, it's not necessarily being fit for purpose in some ways. It's just a general fitness allows you then to be able to basically, you know, get all your skills out and and race. That makes sense. Race to your to your ability, because as soon as you start to fatigue, everything starts to kind of suffer a little bit. Um, and that's something I think if I'd realised with downhill, even you think, oh, I've just got to race downhill for two or three minutes. It's not that. It's it's all the things that, that you do to race that fast are all affected by your level of fatigue. So that's that would be my one thing. When you say fitness, are you talking like aerobic capacity, how good you are at pedalling, or is it more of like a holistic whole body approach? It's it's, it's everything in many ways. Yes, the, the pedalling thing. It's the aerobic fitness allows your body to to function at a, a high level of, I guess, effort without getting um, stuff to suffer. So your, you know, your reactions aren't suffering, your ability to to see, react to lines, to to read the trail, all those things that if you're, if, if it's, if that level of effort is seen to be easy by your body, then everything else functions easier. Mm. That makes sense. So yes, there's specialism in terms of, you know, being strong, doing your gym so you can, take those impacts you can take the mistakes and the change you need to make there's being strong and fit so you can sprint and you can put loads of power out so you've got a really good start there's all the aspects that you can specialize in yeah I think the fitness thing it's not just it's not just the aerobic fitness it's it's everything but having a really good aerobic fitness means that all those other factors can can function best so yeah you need to be super strong so you can sprint really well you need to be strong so you can hold your bike if you hit a big hole suddenly and you don't realize um psychologically you need to be strong to be able to you know to race well and get the best out of you there's so many aspects but all of those things happen a lot easier if your body's able to you know basically work at a high level of stress or intensity um and that's something if you told you know a 14 year old tracy she went, yeah whatever i just started riding my bike down a hill <laughs> fair enough and actually probably i may not have had as much fun back then if if i had trained you know and taken it all seriously but it's just a really fascinating thing now i i just say now with athletes that i work with is that i don't think you can ever underestimate how much if you can be a bit fitter than the person next to you you don't maybe you don't have to have the same skills but you'll probably still get a better performance out of yourself so do you think that work ethic really makes a big difference hugely 
yeah. And I take the example now with, with Hattie Harnden racing yep. enduro. So Hattie's um, a youngster that lives close to me that's been through our kind of local club and I've definitely kind of mentored her probably more than any of the girls I've I've worked with. And she's now become to be one of the best world enduro riders in a super short space of time. And no disrespect, she's a super skillful little bike rider, but she's spent so little time on her enduro bike compared to all the girls she's racing with over the last two years. And But she's been training as a cross-country athlete. So her fitness has been has been the thing i mean yes she's super skillful i don't taking that away but <laughs> her fitness has allowed her to be you know winning races on the final stage of a two race weekend or it's always a long stage or the final stage and that's proved to me so much that fitness is a massive massive part of it i think we're now going to see her evolution of skills is just on a massive trajectory now as well now she's focusing on enduro but it it, it was true to me and i've seen it now true with hattie and i'm other people that I've spoke to have all said, "Oh yeah, you, you're right. You're right about that fitness thing." Um, so that's a that was one. That's a bit of a long one. Sorry, that's a good that's one. Right. You wanted some more than just sounds, one. Sounds <laughs> a bit like um, summer cyclocross when you get all the roadies trying cross for the first time and they're just so fit and it's so dry and they're flat out. Until and then you corner. you rub your hands together when it turns to the autumn and you start to get a bit of rain. <laughs> and you're like, "Yes, now you're going to suffer." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, yeah, Hattie's got all. She's got the whole bag of skills as well, but. It was really interesting just to see that, you know, she'd come after the end of a race weekend and be like, I'll go and ride three hours on the road tomorrow. And and you hear the people saying, oh, that was a tough weekend. I'm absolutely shattered. And Hattie's like, yeah, not really. (laughs) And and I remember my own same feeling of, you know, being able to go off at the end of a race day and go and climb a mountain just, just for fun to go and watch something. Whereas... I could now if I do a race, I'm absolutely broken at the end of the day because that's as much as I've got is just to do the race. Whereas there was always a reserve before, and that was the difference for sure. It's mad to hear you say that you could have been more successful in downhill when you are successful. <laughs> yeah, You're but, so successful. But if you ever look back to some of the old commentary, I remember people saying, "If only Tracy pedalled." Like a classic <laughs> one world champs in Aura in would it be '99? I remember listening to the Eurosport commentary. I can't remember the name of the guy, and he was like. I basically, if you watch it, I just sat and rolled down the hill because I was not fit enough to be able to stand up and pedal. And it was like I always lost out on pedaling stages. And Rob ironic- Warner coached you, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob Warner School of Downhill. But then ironically, now and you know, to my enduro career, I probably I was again having success very much because I was I was fit and I was training with the GB cross country girls at the time. So it was fit fitness really enabled my enduro career to be as successful as it was. You switched to XC for a little. For a short switched. amount of time. Well, not switched, I dabbled but in you it. Dabbled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried a bit. And it was, for many reasons, it was to support the Enduro because I knew that I had downhill skills and years of racing downhill. So that was kind of ticked that box yeah. for Enduro. But I'd, I'd never had this fitness side of me. And that was the bit that if I wanted to be successful at Enduro, I needed to focus on that. So I did exactly the same as Hattie's done. I basically trained all winter as a cross-country athlete to a point. I was never going to be a very successful one. But you know, the ethos of what they were doing to then got to the summer and the enduro seemed not just easy is not right because it's they're not easy but easier easier and like now it's only really now the last couple of years where i've jumped back in and done a few races that i'm like wow i was actually fit back then because it's feels really hard now (laughs) you're a big proponent of their sort of multiple discipline approach yeah would you go back to a young tracy and sort of say 
hey, look, this might benefit as well. Oh, definitely. If you were to go and do all those, mm, definitely. you know, and Cross I think, and XC and all that. I think at the time, not so much because there wasn't the pressures that there, there is on young athletes now. We were, we were just having fun, to be honest. Downhill crew in the day, there wasn't a lot of training. There wasn't a lot of seriousness. It was a lot of fun. Whereas now, I think that's that sadly isn't. There's still fun. That's not. But there's so many more pressures on young athletes with social media, with sponsors, with pressures, with expectations of where they mm. can go in the sport. That I think one of the key things that I really like with the multidiscipline approach is that it takes away some of that pressure when you're when you have chance to focus on something else throughout the season. It's not just all about this one discipline. And if you you know you have a bad day or a bad race, then suddenly like your world's ended. You've got this. Oh, well, I can actually just go and race cross this weekend, or I can go and do you know a downhill race or whatever you've got other aspects and they're all they're all ultimately feeding into this greater skill set of this one athlete but they're taking away some of that pressure i always feel which i think is now with young athletes is super important yeah anything else you wish you knew um my other one would be we we touched on this actually um with one of the kind of getting into biking and the how you choose your friends and this would be one of those things of like the wheel that you follow I kind of wish at the time I'd realised that one of my teammates, who was an amazing four-cross rider, used to follow him, Kamil Tatarkovic, the Czech mm, rider. I remember him. Used to follow him because I was jumping was never something I... I was okay at it, but I never really enjoyed it. I was always a bit scared and I always kind of needed a wheel to follow. And I remember following him once in Schladming to do these jumps. And we came and I was thinking, oh, we're going a bit too slow for this. We're going a bit too slow. Come on, Kamil. But because he had this incredible ability just to pop of a takeoff, mm. you know, just loft away. And I just went, fully cased this <laughs> jump behind it. And I was like, what an idiot. That is, and I need to think about who I follow. And I think you learn from those mistakes. And that was something that, you know, later on in my downhill career, I definitely had my go-to people that I would follow. And I chose them specifically because, you know, we wrote, we had a similar style, let's say, or approach to jumps and speed. And I think that's a really important thing is to, you can learn so much and you can get pulled along by a really good rider in front of you. But you've got to trust them, know them. They've got to know you. And it's got to be like a little bit of a, a partnership. I think that's a really important thing to think about is who you ride with and what wheel you follow and make sure it's not some sketchy person. And I suppose if it's somebody that knows your ability as well as is like oh, really trustworthy, then... It's definitely a, a two-way thing. That's mm. why it's got to be like, um, yeah, to know exactly that example of whether you're a, a springy, poppy person or someone that likes whether you're a slow into a corner fast out or a late breaker and you slam into a corner and you know all so many different ways that you ride bikes that um it, it doesn't work if you if you generally follow the person that's not like you many experiences of that i won't name <laughs> names the riders i followed in the past um yeah that's a really important one yeah making sure that you keep hold of the fact that this is fun that's something else mm. we spoke about that you can get so stressed out with you know successes failures highs lows you know all sorts of it but ultimately if i look back or if i look forward now to kind of 20 plus years on from when i first started to think that one i still be involved in the bike industry is is an amazing thing to think and two to just to really think about how my love and passion for the sport has changed over those years is also incredible because very much those early days was about i'm good at this and being successful, I like it. Simple in some ways, you know, very kind of non-thoughtful. It was just goal-driven in a way. Whereas now I just think it's become it's become part of me. It's become part of who I am, what I like to do, how I choose to spend my time, who I socialise with, 
the way I want to bring up my child. It's it's so much more than just a a bike. Um, and the racing aspect such a small part of that now, I guess it's such a, I think as well, just keeping that as a I think you know, when you're young, you, it's too deep to think down those lines. But I think it's important to just to withhold, you know, hold that fact of like it's there's so much more to it than just racing, going fast. It's such an amazing way of life, a, a way to to move, to to have a journey, to, you know, a transport mode. There's it, it's such an incredible tool, bikes are. Um, and ultimately just keeping that at heart, that it's it's fun and it's an opportunity that we're really lucky to have to be able to enjoy riding bikes and, and get the pleasure that you have from it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's wicked, isn't it? That <laughs> kind of covers it all, really, doesn't it? Ten things. It's all in there. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Lovely. I think ultimately my final one would probably be just like, you know, how protection has changed. Like when you when you started biking, like the thought of... Really you know, like it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It, well, yeah, a little bit. Like it almost, one, it wasn't cool to wear pads. And then the pads that we had were just... Massive. These horrendous things that and didn't enable you to move. Whereas now you can actually wear some pretty stealth stuff that no one even really knows you've got. If you're worried about mm. not looking cool. But just knowing that actually being, having good kit in terms of looking up well looking after your head that's a, yeah. a massive thing you know making sure that i think we all knew that and i definitely wore a helmet but just being conscious of protection helmets and knee pads and stuff and how important that is when you start out because you carry those injuries when you get into mm. your 40s you suddenly realize that <laughs> those crashes you had in your 20s that you thought ah it's fine they're they're sadly still in there you know you don't yeah. the sheet doesn't get cleaned and you start afresh without it it doesn't go away you realise that every morning when you're trying to walk downstairs going oh Jesus Christ my ankle doesn't move Ex exactly so I think that's one of those things you kind of again you with hindsight you look back and you think you'd be a very dull childhood wouldn't you if you knew all these really dull things about <laughs> <laughs> that you need to be prepared pre prepared protected and it's always fun but I guess it's more like don't I don't know don't care too much if you want to wear a back protector you want to wear elbow pads just wear it you know and, but you're in a sport become, full of geeks yeah but i think it's become accepted now <laughs> that it's quite cool to be like if you actually yeah, yeah. look at all the top mm. world cup downhillers nine times out of ten they'll have a lot of body armor on that you don't even realize because because it's so yeah well made now that it's minimal but yeah. really really good technology so back protectors shoulder pads elbow pads even thigh protection you actually mm. took off their very tight um, clothing that they now wear for downhill there's a lot of I call it body armour body protection underneath there that is so minimal and yet very effective and actually if they're wearing it why on earth isn't everyone else wearing it because yeah, they're point. the cool kids on the, aren't they really and well it did get to that point didn't it early 2000s where it was like you just wear the smallest pair of knee pads yeah. and that's it because that's all you know it's not cool if you're wearing pads then, like, you're obviously scared to fall off it's like that was the big thing it's like why would I wear that because I don't want to crash yeah yeah <laughs> It was so a strange now, think, thing, yeah, it's really it? cool that it is actually accepted. The whole concussion things, mm, incredible. That's, that's being in, that's really in the limelight, and people are aware of that. And you know, looking after themselves and taking time out after after crashes and the rehab process. That's a really, really, I think, a cool evolution of the sport in many ways. Is that you know, if you crashed, you didn't get back on straight away and complete complete the rest of that series. You're a bit of a wuss. Whereas now it's like you're an idiot if you do that mm. rather than you know it was. So there's so many developments that, have, that are really only going to help the sport and professionalise it and make it safer for everyone, which ultimately is a good thing. 
So that wraps up our Getting Into Mountain Biking mini-series. We would love it if you got in touch to let us know if you found this handy and picked up some tips, or if you have some more questions, simply ping us an email at podcast at bikeradar.com and do subscribe to the pod if you've enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 